created live on Fireside. Hello, happy sports fans, and welcome to Go Team, the podcast where if it's not Scottish, it's crap. I'm your host, <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> With me is my husband, who told me that that would be the tagline for tonight's show, and I forgot to do it in a Scottish accent. So I'm sorry about that, babe. Do you want to give it a go in a Scottish accent? No, I, I really kind of want to hear you do it again. <laughs> in a Scottish accent or just in a Scottish how accent. I would? If it's not Scottish, I can't do it. <laughs> no, you almost had it. If it's not, uh, I can't. If it's not Scottish, I it. it's crap. If it's not Scottish, it's crap. Crap. That is good. Crap. That was good. Yeah. If it's not Scottish, it's crap. I'm digging it. But it's so true because uh, tonight's episode, uh, which is all about the great sport of curling, leans heavily into Scottish lore and is derived from the great country of Scotland. You know, because so is golf. And I know, and, right? Isn't it crazy? And those, like, golf and curling seem super hard. I've, I've never really golfed. We've gone to the driving range, and I'm terrible at it. I like doing it, but I'm not great at it. They, they both seem like, how can we, how can we make it super hard to get this thing to this particular spot? <laughs> What's the hardest way we can do that? Yeah, oh, wait, how I know truffle and hit it hundreds of yards into a hole the size of a teacup that that's a game i want to play i think that's actually what they call uh call golf originally truffle and teacup truffle in a teacup go out for a spot of truffle and teacup lads i think it is i've never been to scotland but i bet they still call it that yeah I, if man i tell you what uh, you That's just the name of our life. first book, Truffle and Tika, <laughs> The History of Sports. <laughs> Literally, you could never have imagined anyone ever describing golf that way, and yet you just did, and it was a delight. And it fits, though. It tracks, for sure. <laughs> oh, man. That was it, so good. It tracks, Truffle and Tika. I don't even know if I could do my story now. I think just, uh, it's like... <laughs> You want me to just Trouble make up comparisons cup all of, night long. Yeah. <laughs> of, of other sports? Well, I can do Before that. I get into uh, the, the story, I did want to point out um, that it is Dolly Parton's birthday today as we record live on Fireside. Yeah. Do you know why I know that? Because you're because a Dolly Parton super fan? <laughs> I, yes, obviously. And also, I've always known that because her birthday is January 19th. My birthday is January 21st, so we're almost birthday twins. Almost birthday twins. Birthday buddies. At my school, we call it birthday buddies, so we're real close. Um, and I've always thought that that made us, you know, very similar because, you know, we're so similar in appearance and talent. Uh, yes. I mean, I've I've spoken it that way for years. Yeah. I'm six yeah. one. She's like five two. And actually, <laughs> I feel like she she also might describe golf as truffle in a teacup. Well, you just go oh, out there and play. Like I bet she's got a song called "Truffle in a Teacup." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, it's too good. I'm excited <laughs> to learn about curling because here's I always have a so this is our third um in a, in our series of Winter Olympic themed episodes. The first two were. Uh, biathlon in luge so if you 
missed those or you want to know all about Biathlon and Luge, I, I mean, even if you don't want to listen to our shows, which I don't know why you wouldn't because we're super charming and great, just Google about them and you will be instantly like, how the hell do they do this sport? Because that's how I felt. And those are sports <laughs> we don't really see a lot of in America. So I've I've had a story of for each one about my experience with that sport. For luge, this is my story. Are you ready? Or not what? for luge. For curling, what? this is my story. I was going to say, wait, <laughs> did I just get in a time loop here? No, no, yeah. no. For curling, this is my story. So okay. as a child, I grew up on a farm, as you know, Josh. My parents mm-hmm. still live there. And yeah. it would be my job to, like, feed the horses. And at the time, we had two horses. And part of that feeding involved going over to the other part of the barn and getting oats in a bucket and then walking back around outside to the side that the horses were on and giving the horses the oats. Well, as like a 10 year old girl, a big bucket, a five gallon bucket full of oats was heavy. So I was always looking for ways to not have to carry it. And lo and behold, in the midst of the deep dark winter, what happens to the barnyard? It freezes over with ice. So what do I decide I'm going to do? I'm going to be like those curling people on TV and push the bucket, like see how far I can push the bucket of oats across the ice so I don't have to carry it. Well, I successfully did it one time. All the other times, the bucket would hit a rock or something and then spill over and I had all the oats all over the ice and my dad would lose his shit because he's a maniac. One time I did it and I was like, this is what curling is. This is exactly how they do it. <laughs> they just push it and pray. That push it and pray and then run out in front of it with a little tiny broom. And I do you know how desperately I wanted a little tiny broom? Because I was like, that's what I'm missing. That's the key to getting the bucket all the way over to the side of the barn that the horses are on is the broom. That's yeah. why it's not working. Highly regulated, by the way. They've got all kinds of rules for the broom. Oh, I can't wait to hear about it. I don't really have much to say other than that. I, I, oh. I, I it's the type of thing you might get it. Like, I, I know. I was like, I, I was like, I should have really done more like research on the bristles and like where the bristles came from and like, but it is highly regulated. Like, the, it's like you have to have certain bristles and you can't do certain things with it. But what are the bristles? Are you going to tell me at least what kind of bristles? No, they, like, I'm not going to get into bristles? the brooms at all. The brooms are minuscule. T- tonight is all about the sport and the stone. Oh, that would have been a good title for this episode. It, it would have, but almost as good as uh, Truffle in the Teacup. Teacup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, without further ado, I will definitely get us into a, 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 a it's mainly a history of curling. And then we'll, we're going to talk about some of the key moments in time. And we're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, the strangeness of the sport and uh, and some of its fun terms as well. But I, I want you to know that this is a sport of friction. Oh. Yes. Yes. I bet you didn't we, know that. I didn't. Because think about it, how weird that is, that it's a sport of friction, yet, yet it's played on ice. Interesting, right? Extremely. All right. So, but the story truly does begin, though, many a moon ago. And it begins the first time that it is recorded in history, in writing, was written down in Latin 
a dead language, as we all know. You took was it to written, college for a semester. I did, and, I, it, and, it, and it killed me. <laughs> it, was, it was a brutal course. <laughs> but the year was is written down by a gentleman named John McQuinlan, and it was in the city of Paisley and in Scotland. Paisley? Is that named, where Paisley Print comes from? Yes, I knew you would ask me that, so I did look it up. It has nothing to do with curling. But I did look it up because I knew you'd be like immediately like that's where Paisley Prints are from. Paisley Prints I are not. I love Paisley Print. Okay, Paisley Prints not from the town of Paisley. However, the town of Paisley had textile factories that made the print famous in England and Scotland in the 1900s, and it was produced so heavily in that textile mills in Paisley that it therefore got the name Paisley Print. Oh, okay. Yeah, the print actually comes from, I believe, from India, and I was uh, going to guess India. And like they sort of like started mass producing it in England and Scotland. Oh, you mean so we, they went to another country that was inhabited by brown people and stole something from them and claimed it as their own? That doesn't seem right. Uh, but that's not the story of curling. The story okay. of curling is uh, <laughs> first written down in the year fifteen forty by John McQuinlan in the city of Paisley. Now I'll have you note that this is true. This is this is written down and known because it turns out John was a notary, and so his job was to make notes and confirm acts via paper and pen. So this is as credible of a source as you get, right? Having a notary document this. So on one day in 1540, John in his logbook noted that there was a scene within the city. And the scene was that amongst the frozen river in Paisley, two gentlemen met along the banks of the river, one John Schlater, a monk, and the other Gavin Hamilton, who was a representative of the abbot. And Paisley, Paisley was one of the um, larger communities at that time, very known for its uh, its uh, religious uh, church, uh, there's churches, and it's just like a sort of a center of religion in Scotland at the time. So it makes sense the two religious men were meeting along the banks of the river in the town in the year of 1540. Now, can you guess what these two gentlemen were discussing and doing along the banks of the river? Well, I'm going to guess it was frozen over. It was definitely frozen over. And I'm going to guess they were probably pushing stones on the ice. Now, the question is, were they pushing the stone or were they throwing the stone or were they just sort of like tossing it out there? That we cannot confirm because John McQuinlan did not specify that in the writings. However, we do know that Schlater, John Schlater the monk, threw a stone three times out onto the frozen tundra and declared himself ready for stone-throwing competition. This is deemed as the first moment of curling that Wait, was recorded. Because sto stone-throwing was an actual, what, is, a, is a thing that they do in Scotland as right. a way to like train because they couldn't have weapons, right? Yeah, well, so and, I mean, a, in, and in general, I mean, I think it's it was probably like, Cavemen were like, see this stone, throw it. Who can throw it farther? Right? Like, no, I just mean like in Scotland, it's a thing, though. 
So, but these two men like began recorded competition of who can throw the stone the best along okay. the river of frozen river. Also at this time, uh, there is the famous, uh, uh, Flemish artist who uh, was active in the mid 1500s as well, uh, Peter 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 Bruegel, Peter. The, <laughs> Peter Bruegel the Elder. Okay, true story. His name is oh, the, the Elder. Elder. He's he's the best of the two. Yes, he was a celebrated Flemish artist uh, during that time, and he was often known for celebrating the peasant lifestyle. And in 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 a, several of his paintings, he pictured people apparently curling, using rocks on frozen ponds, locks, rivers, and so really everything's pointing back to like the mid fifteen hundreds as the time when like people were like, "Hey, we've got some frozen lakes, we've got some rocks. Let's see who can like get it." out further or like closest to each other. And so they started obviously doing this in more uh, peasant life, which makes sense why a couple of um, religious men were doing it. It wasn't like sort of a glamorous thing. It was more of a like everyday people just having a little competition. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's when it first really gets its, its uh, mojo going. Now, the interesting thing for me was that it wasn't until uh, several years later. So it wasn't until 1716 when we have our first club actually appear. And it's the Kill Synth Curling Club. And its claim is that it's the oldest curling club and it's still in existence today. And they actually even were the first club and first organized world of curling to uh, do a purpose-built pond to freeze over specifically for curling matches. Oh. Yeah. But then we have to wait another 120 years or so before the Caledonian Curling Club in Edinburgh is able to finally formalize like official rules of curling. So nearly 300 years have passed, right? Since the time of our gentlemen meeting on the bank of the river, Schlater and Hamilton. Finally, the Caledonian Country Club in Edinburgh is like, we need some rules for this because we can't just be like tossing rocks on rivers, frozen rivers, and calling it a day. There's got to be some organization to this world. So it's been 300 years of one guy being like, yeah, no, that one counts. That's the rule. Yeah, totally. I'd be totally. like, I've never heard that rule. I'd be like, that's, the, that's how we play it. I don't know how you yeah. play it. Yeah, it's I don't know what you're talking arguments. about. Yeah, exactly. Massive, like, where'd you get your rock? Yeah, I don't know about that. We need some regulations here, brah. And it's basically Foursquare at recess, at every elementary school <laughs> recess. Yeah. Foursquare, where there's no rules and everybody makes up a rule. Yeah, exactly. And it's during this time that, like, the... Like you know, it was never really formalized for the sweeping and stuff, but it's 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 thought that the the broom and the sweep came in more for getting snow off snow off the ice or the frozen locks in Scotland, 
like so we would you would th- push it you'd try to get it further they'd be like we need to get the snow off um the and, snow sm- off. and smooth, smooth out uh the ice but none of this is like formalized until the caledonian the grand caledonian uh curling club in 1838 is like we need to do this and this is where like this is like the even the Olympics, the Olympic Committee even recognizes this as like the first like official rules. Like they even like yes, in 1838, those are the ones that we point back to. And and so that's like the the first real thing. And interesting enough, they actually changed their name from Grand Caledonian Country Club or Country Club, Grand Caledonian Curling Club, to the Royal Caledonian C- Curling Club. Because Queen Victoria once saw the club perform curling. She was like, what is this crazy sport? And they're like, here, this is curling, Queen Victoria. And she's like, done, royal, use the name. You guys are awesome. Yeah. So Queen Victoria, huge fan of the sport. Going to our next club of choice. I feel like you're going out on a limb here and saying she was a huge fan. I don't know that she was a huge fan. I mean, she royalized it. Let's not put fandoms in queen victoria's mouth okay it was enough that she granted them the use of the word royal she probably did that for everything it's not willy-nilly i know they i mean come on they knighted they knighted uh hamilton for his f1 driving abilities so you know oh my god i can't even Uh, believe you (laughs) we're not talking about f1 right now josh i know we're not we're talking about the next royal curling club this takes us to the royal montreal curling club in 1807. Now, the reason why I jump to the Royal Royal Montreal curling club is that curling, as we mentioned, if it's not Scottish, it's crap. We established that right away. Okay. Because it was, it started in Scotland. It is a Scottish sport on the frozen locks in the 1500s, probably documented. It was probably going on for centuries before that, right? Undocumented, but the reason why I mention this specifically is that Scottish uh, immigrants to Canada brought curling with them to Canada because obviously Canada being a frozen tundra as well throughout most of the, the year and particularly in the winter had also had frozen lakes and streams that all these Scottish immigrants could continue playing their sport of choice on. And so it makes complete sense that it becomes immediately popular in Canada as Scottish immigrants move into the country and they form the Royal Montreal curling club. And in 1807, it is the, they meet at Gillis Tavern. Okay. Gillis Tavern. They form the club. It's 1807. Kelly, believe it or not, this people, many scholars and the like claim this to be, the oldest continuous sports club in all of North America. Oh, the Royal Montreal curling club. And they would, it started because a couple of guys were like, uh, should we go get a beer at the tavern? Uh, now what? Heck yeah, man. Uh, and they're, they're probably like, Oh yeah. You know, uh, uh, Mr. Scotsman over here has got this curling thing we can do. Uh, let's just do that while we drink beer. So it forms smart enough, well enough that this club actually also not only is it the oldest club uh, club in North America, but 
they actually are the first organizers of building an indoor ice rink. Oh. In Wait, Canada. Wait, so they're still a club today. Still a club today. You could join it tomorrow if you wanted. Well, oh my I don't God, know if do you, you think they would tomorrow, take me? But, I mean, you've never curled, maybe, wait, but... Maybe I should tell them about truffle in a teacup. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought it was cool because, like, I, I mean, I I don't know if I would have guessed curling as the oldest sports club, like, in, in existence. North America? In North America. Uh, I, but it makes, I mean, it makes sense, but... Um, I feel but like I, I would have said rowing, maybe, or uh, boxing. Yeah, but, maybe, yeah. But yeah, so it's still in existence and um, they did it. But the interesting thing is they started using, uh, when when they were doing the curling, they used iron. So they had to use like chunks of iron to curl with. Instead of the granite. Instead of the granite, yeah. So interesting enough to backtrack a little bit, Scotland is known in an area of, of Scotland uh, uh, where they get this granite from. This granite is specific to this region of the world, to uh, the region in Scotland. And literally, supposedly, according to you know these great sources, my sources, Encyclopedia Britannica and the Smithsonian. So, I mean, I don't know. But... It's only found in this in in Scotland and, and and also one part of Wales, but in Scotland, it's uh, Alsa Craig, Scotland, and it's this special Scottish granite that they have to uh, mine from uh, the rock sides of Scotland, right, the mountains, and and um, and and mine it there only. And it's because it's got this. Um, it has something to do with the its porousness and makes it a little bit harder. And, um, and so it only comes from this region. So you can't be like, oh, I'll just go get this granite countertop from Lowe's and uh, get myself some curling equipment. Like, no, it can't happen. Okay. So all the curling stones today come from this place. Come from Scotland, from this mine in Scotland, ored from the mountainside. That's and it just has to all be they do there too, right? Like seriously, and there's the a video. I've been yeah, making no, curling stones no, no. for fifty so years. Get this, get this. Okay, you ready for this? I'm so, so ma- ready for it. So many immigrants from Scotland moved to Canada and brought curling. That like Canada is kind of the mecca of curling now. Like that's where people are like, if you want to do curling, you, you got to go to Canada. And um, but what they do is they they mine the granite this special Scottish granite and they uh, ship it to Canada to the factory in Canada to put the finishing touches on the actual curling stone. And they so manufacture they don't even finish it in Scotland anymore. No. So there's like, well, I'm, I'm, maybe there is one, but I watched a video and like everything. And like, there's a factory in Canada that, you know how like the, the ones you see in the Olympics and in competition, uh, it's like sanctioned competition with like the it's got a like a plastic handle on top. It's like a red handle, and it kind of looks like an iron's handle, like an yeah, it does, a, yeah, you know, know right, like an iron, about. like an ironing board iron. Yeah. So it's got that handle. That's all done uh, in Canada at a factory in Canada. So most almost all the actual curling stones are fabricated or manufactured or crafted in Canada, but the stone is shipped in still from the same place in Scotland. I, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. 
I know it's actually a really like kind of mesmerizing uh, video to watch. It's like a how things are made video. I'm watching and, it tonight before bed. I can't <laughs> wait. It's pretty quick, but it's like they have to use like the crazy diamond cutter saws and like drilling holes, and it's it's uh it's it's pretty it's pretty intense, Kelly. I don't know if you know this, but <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's just so cool, like how smooth and like I don't know. The process is pretty mesmerizing to watch the creating it, and but in the end, it has to be 44 pounds. 44 oh, pounds. Wow. For women yeah. too? Yeah. It's 44 pounds. 44 pound curling. Okay. All right. And they, so it's got, it's, they smooth it out. There's, they, they actually drill a hole in the center of it so they can attach the handle now. And this is how, this is the sanctioned one. But originally, crazy enough, right, the, the Royal Montreal Club, when it started, was using actual iron and several other types of rock and, uh, uh, and other materials were used over the centuries to try to be like, what's the best use of curling? But this granite like won't crack or just like chip or get destroyed. And so it, it will hold its form. It will never like, it takes a lot to mess with this granite. So that's why it's like the perfect stone to use. So it won't crack or break or do anything weird. And it's got the perfect weight that you need. Now, if you remember, uh, I mentioned that there's something to do with friction too. Mm-hmm. Now, when they create the ice, so the ice has to be super smooth for the appropriate friction of the stone touching the ice to get home. So when you when you curl you know, when you curl it, if you remember, there's a target at the end of the of the alleyway, so to speak, right? It's kind of like bowling. So you're at one end. You shoot it out there or shuffleboard. It's very similar to shuffleboard too. You shoot the stone out. It slides across the ice. It's got to get home to the target zone. Uh, there's, so there's four rings there, and then you get points by how it lines up, right? Mm-hmm. Within that targeted zone. But did you know this? Did you know that the ice has little tiny hills and pebble bumps on it that they put there on purpose? No. Did you know this to be difficult to make it difficult? No, I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought it was like smooth ice, like, like on an ice, like butter, smooth, butter. yeah, no, no. Well, I mean, it's ice, so obviously it's slippery, Um, but they actually sprinkle water over the ice pre-matched to create little droplet hills of ice on top. And those help slow down the, uh, the the curling stone as it goes towards the target. And that's that, what their brush scrubbing away. That's what they're using the brooms for to smooth so, out so these the little bumps, things. The bumps are an obstacle that they have to overcome. Kind of, isn't that crazy? Or, or because they, they have to control the friction. In yeah, their they advantage. Use it. Yeah, they can use it to their advantage, or if they're not smart, it can be their disadvantage as they try to control the speed of the curling stone to get to that end target. And so the, the brushes brush away, can brush away that those little hills to get it to change speeds or direction, right? Like you can sort of change the the curl of the stone because curling the name the name curling 
comes from the action of the stone moving across the ice and how it curls around. So they can change the curl trajectory with the broom and the little bumps of ice and the flavin. Boom, you're in the target. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, I didn't know about the little bumps. I thought it was just regular ice. So that's no, I know. Probably I know. to simulate like the more natural setting of it being on a stream or a river or a lake where, where the there's ice like is. yeah dips and cracks and crevices yeah and, and like rocks it, or sand rocks or something or yeah sticks or whatever frozen in the ice yeah so they, they, that's where like the whole thing came. and then that harkens back to the, having to get the snow off too originally right so the original purpose was get the snow off yeah but once you get this like you know the manufactured smooth ice you're like oh let's you know what this seems a little too it's easy too easy what if we put a little grippies on there huh what do you think yeah. about that yeah. And so, so they have to they have to do that with the 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 droplets of ice, and they replace that, and they have to. It's like a whole thing. You got to replace the droplets, you know, make sure that's this that's equal for everybody, so you can't like mess it up and stuff between each match and stuff. But I thought that was really interesting because I had no idea either. I was like, "Holy cow!" They actually manipulate the ice, and then the 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 curl has to go there. Now, also, I had never heard this before, but did you know that one of the nicknames? for curling is the roaring game. I actually did know that. Get out of here. <laughs> I did. Cause I watched this. <laughs> I there's this um, documentary on um, Netflix called uh, bad sports, I think, or sore lose. I think it's bad sports. And it's a little like a series of documentary shows about different athletes who have lost big time. And one was about a guy who was a really famous curler. And that's where I first heard that term. Ah, okay. All right, smarty pants. Anyways, Sorry. it's called the roaring game. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I was like, you don't really think of curling as a roaring game, like a roar. They um, didn't explain it in the show. So I'm waiting to hear its explanation. Ah, ooh. Well, hello there, Mrs. Smarty Pants. <laughs> I, Simp I mean, simply enough, it's named after the sound of the, of the stone on the ice. As it, as it shoots down the iceway, it has what players call a roar to the noise. So it's like as it shoots down, there's like a roar that comes. I would think it's more of a maybe a rush or like a I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know if I, I have never. Obviously, I've never curled. So maybe there's a roar. See, this this is a man who's never pushed a five gallon bucket of oats across ice. But it's more like a. I can. It's more like a roush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I can. I mean, that makes sense though. Why they would? I can sort of. You can hear it. Yeah. Like I can. Hear I mean, it, I suppose yeah. if you can think about like I would think anything sort of like a, like a, a whir or like a I don't know. I kind of likened it to like the sound, the hum of a sound of cars on an interstate. Like, Maybe, like, but it sort is of a like, 44 Rrr. pound. I know, right? Piece of so granite. The, so that's it does. Yeah, it does have the, that nickname of the yeah. roar, the roar of the ice. Right. Um, the other nickname for curling, which is so interesting, is uh, chess on ice. Oh, that I've never heard before. Yeah. So think about this. You've got the friction. I told you it's all about friction and it's all also about like how you can use that friction 
between these manufactured uh, ice pebbles on the ice, right? Mm -hmm. The stone that's been smoothed but is weighted. And then you have to calculate the distance of when you let go of it to get home to the target at the end. But you have the other... Um, the other curling stones that have been already curled, the pre-curled, right? So they're kind of in the way. And you have to, you can, you can tap those out of the area. You can, you have to maybe get around them. You know, there's, they become an element within the game itself and an obstacle within the game itself. And so then you have also have the sweeping and not only that, but you have to, the person who's doing the curling has to direct those sweeping, like, about the speed and like where they're going, right? Because they're just focused on, on on cleaning out the ice. They're not like trying to pay attention how what the distance is, right? They're just listening to the directions from the curler. So it gets the name chess on on ice because there's so many uh, so much like geometry and calculation in your brain of like, okay, I've got this distance, I've got this friction, I've got the speed. I got to look out for the other curling stones that are already on the playing field and I need to drop them in. And then also the way they do their scoring and stuff, you can like knock out scores and it's the scoring system is really weird. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to get into it. Just Google anyone listening, Google curling scoring rules. It's bonkers. So he's got, but you can like knock stones out and like eliminate scores and, and all these different things. So there's like this chess match that goes on of like where you want the, the curling stone to end up and be placed because sometimes you might not want it in the circle. You might want to knock another stone off or you might want to place it to block another person's stone. It's a thing. So they actually have ta- a time limit per match round where it starts counting down. And so like there's a limit to like, you can't just sit there and be like, I'm going to stare at this for the next 30 minutes to decide how to do my, my next throw. Right. Like you ha- there's a, so there's a time limit. And they actually have uh, a time limit of 38 minutes per uh, And when, if they're thinking time, yeah, if they're thinking time, if they go over the thinking time, then they get like disqualified. They can't throw then. So you have to calculate all these things and then you have to figure out how much actual time you have to think about it. Isn't that crazy? So, yeah, that is super crazy because so you so you so there's one person who is the curler and then there's people who are just sweepers. So the person who's the curler really is like the person who's the captain of the team kind of cuz they are the ones or do they decide as a team what like what the strategy is going to be for them? Yeah, I think that, you know I I probably each team has different things, but typically it's a team of four, and there is one that's like the captain, and then there's like a co-captain, and then there's like the two, and then there's like the two others. And they probably, they decide together, like, oh, we're going to knock this stone out, and so hopefully they lose points, and then we'll be set up for the next throw or right. whatever. Yep. And so they have to figure that, but they only have thirty eight minutes total time. That seems like a long time, though. But it's total for the duration of the thing. So, like one round, like one throw, you might be like, "Oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do." Boom! Thirty seconds passed. Oh, it's not between each throw. It's no. thirty-eight minutes total for the whole match to think about it. Yeah, and it's there's and they actually have a timer at the end of the sheet of ice that displays how much thinking time they still so have. Once they they start to throw it, this timer stops. Right. 
Oh, and then okay. if they and if they run out, then then the team can't throw any more of the curling rocks for the remainder of the of the game. Oh, that would man. Here's here's what I'm thinking. This is not a game. This is not something you and I should do against each other because I can. I mean, just in us playing words with friends, I legitimately <laughs> like got so mad at you this weekend that I had to leave the room. Yeah. So it's, this, it's, like, you knocking out one of my curling stones would probably it would be intense. It would be yeah. It would be. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, uh, the funny thing is, like, the way the scoring works, um, like the the way that it can end up is, in the past, you could, um, or you can, like, wait your t- time, um, because of the the. There's this within the game, within the scoring, there's a hammer, is what it's called. And the hammer, with a hammer throw, you can knock out all of the other team's stones um, from from every end. And then, so that like negates all their score with the hammer throw to like at the end. So you could do that like every round as it accumulates scoring. And wait to your final turn. So if you always just hammered and knocked out the, everything, instead of trying to like position and like score points throughout, mm-hmm. you can it, originally you could just do that, and then wait to the be like the final turn, like the bottom of the ninth, if you will, right? The team that goes last, you you've knocked everybody out. So then at the end, you can just throw your your one out there and like win kind of by default. Oh my god, I would and, lose my mind. Yeah, and apparently. Uh, it kind of became a thing in the 1980s that this was a, an actual strategy that many of the like teams started to employ and use. And like the, there was there was a bit of backlash because people were like, "This is kind of boring to watch. Like this isn't even interesting anymore. It's so predictable. Like you're not even using strategy or the thinking man's chess game version of this. You're, you're just, just being uh, a just dick. Yeah, you're just kind of being a dick. But it was the but there was the loophole and the rule. And teams were taking advantage of it, so they actually had to change the rules. So you like you that you can't do that anymore. And there's like certain things you can you can do, um, so that you actually have to do it strategically, and you can't just like do this sort of workaround. That is, uh, yeah, well, yeah. that seems cheaty to me. It's like in soccer where they will like the defenders or whoever on their side of the field will just pass the ball back and forth to run down the clock and won't kick it across the midfield line. Oh my god, I hate that. Yeah. Just yeah, just totally. play. Just play. Stop being that way. I'm glad they changed that cuz now I can at least play curling with a with a clear clear heart. Yeah. Clear 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 hearts. <laughs> uh so um one of the things I do love is I don't know if you've remembered when you watch a curling match there's many there's a lot of yelling at each other. There is a lot of yelling. Uh, and it's really just them doing phrases to communicate between like the sweepers and the curler and stuff. And um, uh, they sort of, one of the cliche curling expressions is hurry hard. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Or, or like uh, hard line or go. That's sort of the sweep harder uh, mm-hmm. to keep the current path of the, of the, um, of the stone. Then there's also, you might hear someone yell clean. And clean means sweep lightly to ensure the line is maintained. Um, okay. You can also, this is one I like, which is looks heavy. <laughs> so if you yell, looks <laughs> heavy, that one is that the stone has been thrown too hard 
it might go sliding beyond the intended target. So this, when when a sweeper hears that, they'll ease up to try to you know keep the friction going because uh-huh. they don't wanna, they don't want to eliminate. So looks heavy. Uh, I like that one. I hope they not, say it like that. Looks not, heavy, yes. eh? <laughs> not not to be confused with looks light. Looks light. That means the stone has been thrown, hasn't been thrown hard enough, and it's going might possibly come up short. So those those sweepers better start brushing real hard. Gotcha. Yeah. Pretty crazy, right? Yeah, I like that. And by the way, some of them do just wear tennis shoes. Oh, okay. There is no specific uh, type of uh, shoe, uh, but sometimes they'll wear different soles on their shoes. Uh, one for the sliding foot and one for the like grippy foot. Cause they sort of have like a swoop out with their legs. You know, it's like this, like kind of like a flow, like a little. Are you doing it right now? Yeah. You know, you can see it. Like you can see me like, you know, all I got I is. I just uh, could tell by the, yeah. the sound your voice moved away from your microphone that you were doing it right now. Yeah. And so they they really just try to put the try to put that in English on that curl. Just care to get that curl going, right? Or and the Scottish on it. Yeah, looks heavy, but and then you know what to do because you're the sweeper, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's so that's the, sort so of people just are. So you don't really switch roles. You're the sweeper or you're the the thrower. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, obviously they probably all take turns doing stuff, but um, you know, it is what it is. You, just, you either sweep, you curl, you throw. Probably at the Olympics, that's like that's the thing they do, right? They're not switching jobs. I would think if you're at the Olympic level that you've probably you've like yeah, don't mess with the sweepers. Yeah, you know, like if that's your thing, that's your thing. You're sticking to it, right? Yeah, oh, the guy yeah. in the front of the bobsled isn't all of a sudden the guy in the back of the bobsled when you get to the Olympics. No, you're you've, right. You've I know trained all the time to be in the front. I that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So speaking of the Olympics, since it's coming up, the interesting story enough of the quick story of, of where, how it sort of has evolved through the Olympics is that uh, the first time that it ever, uh, that curling ever appeared in the, in the Olympics itself was in 1924, the 1924 Olympic games. And um, it was contested only by men at that time. Can you believe it? Yes. Um, and uh, it, it's the first curling event in Olympics history. Now, uh, it took until um, all the way until f- uh, February of 2006 before the International Olympic Committee finally ruled that the 1924 curling uh, medals that were awarded were, in fact, true awarded medals and not just a demonstration event. Prior to that time, it was always ruled as a demonstration event. So in 1924, a Great Britain took home the gold, Sweden took home the silver, France took home the bronze. But it wasn't until 2006 that they actually recognized them as legitimate medals that were and earned. And they got to like add them to their medal count. Correct. Uh, because prior to that, it was just considered a demonstration event. And uh, it continued to be um, – it, it, there was a few other times – throughout uh, the 1900s that it was also as a demonstration, but never officially an Olympic sport giving out, you know, in the medal count until uh, it wasn't until the 1998 Nagano games in Japan uh, 
that it was uh, officially recognized uh, as a true medal sport in the Olympics. Wow, it was that long? Yeah. So since then, it obviously has been, and it's actually also in the uh, Paralympics also, they do uh, wheelchair curling. So it is in a par- the Paralympics as well. Um, but yeah, only since 1998 has it been a medal sport. But then there's that weird little thing that they did decide to award the 1924 medal winners, the actual medals as well. Pretty crazy, right? Yeah, that is weird. In the meantime, in the 1900s, there was a thing called the Scotch Cup that began in 1959. And that was a yearly... I love a good Scotch Cup. And Yeah, and that was a yearly battle between Scotland and Canada uh, for, for the longest while before other other countries began to get involved and, and it became like a thing later on. The name Scotch Cup changed and, uh, and so on. So that's where we're at in the Olympics right now. It's official Olympicdom is here. And that's my story of curling. Wow. I, I loved it. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it is one of those sports where, once you kind of think about it you're like oh yeah that like obviously this became a sport like obviously this you know became something that people started doing throwing rocks on ice you know what i mean like if i as a little girl was like i'm gonna push this bucket across the frozen barnyard obviously people are gonna do that so kind of similar to the biathlon where when you think about it it just seems logical really yeah, it, it, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, here we are. We've got some rocks. Let's throw them on the ice. Right. So we just brought James on stage, and James, I'm pretty sure, is Scottish, and I bet he's gonna give us a real good. If it's not Scottish, it's crap. <laughs> Where we could not do it earlier, we were doing our best, James, to do a good Scottish accent, but we couldn't. So if a good you Scottish could, accent. Could you give us a good, if it's not Scottish, it's crap? If it's not Scottish, it's crap. That Uh, was beautiful. (laughs) Usually people ask me to do freedom. That's that's usually the one. Oh, (laughs) sure. It's most popular. Um, I was actually, you know, I used to work at Standard Life. It's an insurance company and a pensions company in Scotland. And I first started there back in 2013. And I went into this team, you're, you know, you're just sat on the phones taking calls from customers and stuff. And someday it was, it was coming close to a Winter Olympics and they were doing some trials or something. And this person in the team said, oh, okay, I know that, that, that curling's coming up. Oh, what a lot of crap that is. And, um, <laughs> they were, and I was like, why? Like, Curling has never bothered me. I've never really watched it. I, I like it when Scotland win because it's the only thing we can actually, it's the only sport we're actually good at. And so, like, I was like, why are you being like such a goof? And um, it wasn't until I realized that one of the women in the team across from us, um, she was actually in that team. Um, uh-uh. her, name, her, her name was Elaine. She was a really, really nice woman, uh, really, really nice. And basically, Standard Life would basically pay her to come into the office to do nothing but, um, like, outreach 
um, to like local communities and all the rest of it. So um, about curling and that that's kind of what she did. Um, but she loved it. Um, she absolutely loved it. She was a lovely woman and she was very successful. She had uh, Commonwealth gold medals. She had Olympic medals. Um, so, yeah, she, she loved it. Um, she was a big fan of the sport. But some people in the office kind of took a bit humbrage because she came in, she earned a wage. And it was, you know, she wasn't actually doing the job we were all doing, but she was in the same area. Um, but it was just, I think it was their way of kind of, supporting her and and you know what i mean it's good for a company a small country like scotland it's amazing to have an olympian um you know a gold winning medal olympic in your office part of your company so um yeah i met andy murray um at work because standard life actually sponsored andy murray for about six years um, and he actually, part of the deal was that he um, would come into the office um, and kind of, I, there's a picture of me, it's not on my Instagram, but I can put it up there, with his gold medal from London, um, oh, which, nice. is pretty, which is pretty cool. I'm quite proud of that moment. But Elaine never brought her medals in. Like, she never made a big deal of it. She kind of... Oh, Elaine, come on. No, she uh, never made a big deal of it. Standard Life did. Like, she was on posters and, like, everything else. She was amazing. She was a really nice woman, I have to say. Um, but she, yeah, she earned a wage but didn't really do the job. <laughs> I mean, that, she did that, a job. So, yeah. she, you know, she won gold medals or whatever medals. So, she did, she did a job. <laughs> the least Standard Life could do is give her a wage. Well, that's right. Well, I think... You know, Olympians now have to go out and find their own sponsorships. They have to, they have to do a lot themselves. Um, and I think basically this was their way of sponsoring her. They they kind of done it without it being a sponsorship, um, mm. and it worked for them. They got kind of notoriety because whenever she was mentioned in the paper, it was Elaine who works at Standard Life. Oh, that's smart. That's pretty smart. So it was a sneaky wee plug every time she was mentioned in the media that, you know, she works a standard life. I mean, that's that's just smart marketing, honestly. Yeah, that's awesome. It was, a, it was a way to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a win-win situation. That uh, looks a bit heavy to me. Hey, eh? see what I did there, Josh? Oh, nice. Too heavy. Heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it's too light. That was awesome. Thanks for sharing that, James. That was a great story. Yeah, James, uh, real, real quick, James, have you ever uh, made it to the uh, Elsa Craig Island for the special quarry granite that they uh, make no, stones out of? I have not, no. Um, they, they did a documentary, and I think I must have been about 12 or something at the time, um, and they did like a documentary, but I – I can't even remember like watching it now. I can just remember there was they showed us it in school, and it was around the Olympic time. And because schools in the UK, like when it comes to the Olympics, if we've got a huge Olympian like Chris Hoy, um, like in school you learn everything about cycling. Um, and then when it came to the Winter Olympics, the, like I say, the only thing that we're actually good at Winter Olympics wise um it's curling so like that was always big because the curlers were actually go around the schools in scotland 
And even though it was the British team, I think they were all Scottish from, from memory. So, like, they would just go around Scottish schools and be like, oh, this is Carlin, this is what we do. And, you know, people would get to ask. It was like a show and tell kind of thing. Yeah. Um, people would get to, well, why do you use a brush? Like, it's a bit daft. It's as daft as a brush. You're using a brush to push a, a, a stone along the, the ice. Um, so, like, you'd get questions like that and stuff. And, you know, it is a sport that does probably take a bit of ribbon um, quite a bit. Um, like that guy at work that would be like, oh, curling, no kind of sport is that? Um, like that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it, like it's the one, the one sport we're actually good at. <laughs> you're kind of dashing my hopes of uh, my dreams of curling in Scotland that like it's something that is like a national you know pride thing and everybody really loves it and gets behind it now I'm kind of like oh maybe people make fun of it there too yeah I'm really sorry Kelly but like it's okay no one gets behind curling <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of those. It's one of those sports that no one will actually admit that they watch. Like, because if the final is on TV, people will probably turn it on um, and watch it. But yeah, it's, it's probably not something that people admit to. Yeah, I'm still convinced that it, uh, when I was when I was telling the story, uh, James, I'm not sure if you heard the part, but it, when it began in in Canada from Scottish immigrants. It started because a, a, a group of Scottish immigrants in, in Montreal were like, hey, let's go down to the tavern. Uh, should we should we do some curling? Like it was like it started just guys getting together to drink and then it became a thing. So I, I, that's just it seems like a good like beer in a hand sport. Yeah. <laughs> like, hang on. We needed an excuse to drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a first yeah. Oh wow! So well, I mean, I guess we don't really like rodeo that much, and we're Americans. So I'm sorry if that dashes your hopes, but we don't really like rodeos. I've been to I'm rodeo. Sorry, that's not true. <laughs> so I did drop in the chat here for those listening live on Fireside a, a link to the video that I referenced earlier. In case you do want to see, it's probably the video that uh, that was shown throughout Scotland. Maybe not though, but it is the, it is the video that. Um, Sorry, that is uh, all about how the stones are crafted and created, mined in the core, the one of only two quarries in the world, and then shipped to Canada for special fabrication. So check that out if you like. That sounds awesome. Well, now that my hopes have been dashed about curling being the national sport of Scotland, I guess it's time to move on to the big three here. <laughs> all right, let's give it to me. All right. So at the end of all our shows, the storyteller is asked three questions about the story they told or the topic in which their story was about by the listener. In this case, I'm the listener. Josh is the storyteller. If you're listening live here on Fireside, feel free to throw in the chat to help Josh out with the answer. If you think you know it, if you're listening on a streaming service, just scream it really loud. And I'm sure we'll hear you. Okay. Are you ready for is, your first question? It is question? the roaring game. Yeah, it is the roaring is, game. So. It is. Uh, I have a feeling you're going to get this one because you kind of mentioned it. But here we go. In the sport of curling, there are two types of shoes worn. The slider is covered, is sold 
in what? So the slider is has a soul made of what? Is it A, latex, B, Teflon, or C, rubber? Ooh. You know, I, honestly, I don't know. Oh. I don't, I don't remember when I was reading what it was made of. Um, I do. Oh, oh, sweet. Oh. Yes, for a friend. <laughs> This really isn't fair. It's not like when I did the goddamn luge, I had a German on here. <laughs> it's not fair. Fine. Go ahead, James. I think. I don't, I'm don't. i not 100%, but I'm pretty sure it's Teflon. It is Teflon, smarty pants. Yes. Because it's all about friction. I already told yes. you that. It's all about friction. And it's the slider, so it's Teflon so they can slide on it. Yes, makes sense. Good God. All right. That's not yes. Thank you, James. Question two. Paul Gausel, who is a world famous curler from the land of Calgary, was dubbed the rebel of the curling world for wearing what? Whoa. A, plaid pants. B, a tank top. Or C, an earring. Now, this is during a match. Paul Gausel, <laughs> who's one of the most famous curlers in the world from Calgary, was dubbed the rebel of the curling world for wearing what? Plaid pants, a tank top, or an earring? Um, yeah, I don't know. James? <laughs> <laughs> I've not got a clue. <laughs> no, I'm gonna go since it's Scottish. I'm gonna go plaid pants. Ah, oh, it is plaid pants. He yes. wore plaid pants during curling match. He also <laughs> notoriously would order a pizza during the match because they took so long, and he would get hungry. Such and a rebel, and I he would you. eat pizza between his throws. All right, That's his, you know, you know hey. thing. <laughs> all right you're two for two babe i don't know that this has ever happened it has okay well we'll see here's your last question and god damn it i have a feeling you're gonna know this one <sighs> what famous band was almost killed by a curling stone in a movie are you gonna give was me it? options <laughs> yeah you don't even need to give you don't even need to give me options you know the answer I think well, I know the answer. Give the a options in case I throw you. Was it A, the Spice Girls? B, One Direction? C, the Wiggles? Or D, the Beatles? I am positive it's the Beatles. Well, do you know what movie it was? Uh, help? Damn it, it was Help. Ugh. Yeah, baby. They were almost killed by a <laughs> improvised curling stone that was rigged with an explosive device. Yeah, which is just wished it had been One Direction. <laughs> no, you guys love One Direction, there, James. You forgot that you're in Great Britain, no. and that's that you no, love no. One Direction. Yeah, but I'm in the north, so like I'm above the border. <laughs> <laughs> You're just ruining all of my fantasies of Great I'm Britain really right now. <laughs> yeah. I just, God, do you drink tea even or no? You think that's shit too? Oh, no, that's English as well. Yeah. Okay. He drinks scotch. I drink coffee or scotch or sometimes together. 
Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Well, that I can support. That's a little bit better. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you got three for three, Josh. So that is super impressive. Well done. And yeah, now and is with with the assist from James, though. I will admit that first one was a Yeah, you yeah. did. It, so he Scotland gets partial credit for this one. Um so now's the time in our show where normally we would score the other person because we like to have a score. And as I said before, Josh and I can be extremely competitive with each other. But because we're doing Olympic themed shows, we're just doing a medal ceremony. Are you ready to take your spot on the podium, Josh? Yes, I was born for this moment. The judges have ruled. It was a bit heavy and you've gotten the gold. Yes. It was a great job. It was an interesting story. I loved everything about it. I actually enjoy watching curling. So there you go. I, I mean, I think it's, you know, it does get a bit boring, but um, yeah, Please, it was very interesting. If you could just don't take 90 years to officially recognize the fact that I won the gold and <laughs> we'll see we're, we're the IOC is going to have to roll on that one. We'll see. Much like it. the IOC did for the first people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. I, I had a feeling I was going to get a, a gold. Um, it just you know, uh, yeah, it just felt felt that way. Yeah, it was good. It's a good. It's a good one. I I learned a lot. You're welcome. So I think that about wraps it up. <laughs> you're usually the one who wraps it up. Now I know. I was like, actually, honestly, I was, I was trying to see what you would do. I was like, I wonder what she would do if I didn't say anything here. And um, maybe let's not try out new things while we're recording live. Hey, let's we're not live. Do that. What you do. Hey, there's silence and curling. You get, I had 38 minutes I could kill if I wanted. I got oh my, my thinking God. time. Well, you know what? I can handle this. So don't worry. So that's <laughs> it for our show. Uh, if you want to catch up with any of our past shows, especially our past Olympic shows, you can listen to them here on Fireside under my profile, Kelly Albrecht, or um, I don't think there's any inner Josh's, but he has a few of some of our sideline shows, which are our more freeform sort of talky talky about pop culture stuff under his profile. Um, you can also listen to all of our episodes through from the time and whence we were birthed to today on your streaming service of choice, be it Apple, Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We're on them all. We, we, we're there. Just search Go Team. There you just, will find yeah, us. Just wherever you get a podcast, you're going to find Go Team and you're going to smile. You are. We are on social media. You can find us at on Instagram at go underscore team underscore stories. We post a lot of things there. We're on Facebook as well. Um, we have a website, goteamstories.com. Go to that check and check us out. And guess what we just started, Josh? You just did it today. It is. I did. We just started on Patreon. If you want to support us on Patreon, go for it. If you don't, that's okay too. But guess what? If you support us on Patreon right now, you're going to get a cool thing. If you support us at a certain level, I just today, this afternoon, finished Olympic ceremonies opening ceremonies bingo there are eight unique bingo cards and trust me opening ceremonies bingo is so fun it makes any kind of gathering you have fun no matter how many people you have we're going to play it with our kids for the opening ceremonies so go to patreon.com if you support us there you will get the digital download for opening ceremonies bingo and each card is different. I say this because my friend Gretchen once 
bought a bingo game for some of her students unwill unknowingly had the exact same card for 20 students <laughs> so 20 kids on the first go got a bingo at the same time she's like what's going on it was the exact same bingo card that's not going to happen here all eight cards are different and if you give it another level not only do you get the bingo cards but i will personally custom make a cocktail themed after you and your life and send Whoa. it to you the recipe not the actual cocktail i can't send alcohol in the mail i don't have that kind of license but a recipe that i will send to you so go to patreon.com slash go team stories if you want to support us there if not that's okay too we still love you and we love that you listen to us yeah we're gonna have to come up with a great curling cocktail oh yeah i'll have to think about it it's probably gonna have scotch in it i would say on the rocks Oh my gosh. That's too easy. That's it. We'll think Scotch of something. We'll think of something. <laughs> <laughs> something uh, too heavy. Too light, maybe. Maybe. Maybe a truffle in a teacup. <laughs> James, that's what I called golf. So truffle yeah. in a teacup. So if you want we'll, we'll to start a new trend in Scotland, James. <laughs> well, we have we have a, a golf podcast. Um, launching soon. Oh. Do you want to call it Truffle in a Teacup? I'll give it to <laughs> so, you. <laughs> we, we've been looking for a new name because we don't want to be simple and just call it Across the Pond Golf Podcast. We want it to be a bit whimsical. So yeah, <laughs> that could work. <laughs> all, I, all I ask is that you give me credit and you credit the pod. Always, our podcast. Always credit where it's due. Always. And I will be delighted to see Truffle in a Teacup. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, well, that's about it. You've gone through the list of things. We've talked about how all the great ways you can listen to us. We've given you the history of curling. We've had a special guest all the way from Scotland. Yeah. Thank uh, you so we, much, James. You really, uh, I would try, I don't even know any Scottish slang to say you, <laughs> I'm really chuffed. Well, that's, that's English chuffed, to say you're chuffed, uh-huh. right? Chuffed, chuffed is, is Scottish. Um, okay. I'm really chuffed that you've made it. Um, but I, I just like to say thank you because um, usually when you record, I am asleep because it's like 3 a.m. right now. Um, but I'm on the night shift just now. I'm an engineer, so um, I'm doing a lot of night shifts over the next three months. So I'm going to get to listen to you guys because this is oh, kind of when we take, our, we take our lunch break about now. So, um, oh, fantastic. Yeah. I, I have caught you guys a couple of times live when my kids have woke up in the middle of the night or something. Um, but this is the first time I've actually kind of got to, to join in. It's been cool. Yeah, well, thank so you. glad, James. Thank you. And I do want to shout out, James has a great um, series of podcasts called Across the Pond Sports, another great sports podcast. So if you're out there listening on streaming, just look up Across the Pond and you will see all of those awesome podcasts come up and give him a listen. Yeah, that's fantastic. By the way, James, I'm not sure if you heard, but uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, is where the Royal Caledonian uh, Curling Club exists and form the Olympic rules of curling. Yeah, there's um, the building. It's actually a famous building in Edinburgh as well, I'm pretty sure. Um, but what you got to remember now, this is an American thing, and I have family in America that all speak American, but like Pittsburgh, it, it has an H on the end, but actually we pronounce the H, so it's Edinburgh. Nice. Edinburgh. Edinburgh. 
He does the same thing with Toronto, so don't. I mean, he says Toronto, and I'm like, it's Toronto, Josh. That's why I said Toronto. Toronto. No, don't. You can't. You can't talk to him about it. Thanks for trying, though, James. I'm saying what you're saying. I don't know what you're not saying. It Edinburgh, Burrah, Edinburgh. Okay. <laughs> and burn. Uh, so thank you so much again, James. Definitely everybody should check out his podcast as well. And find his profile on Fireside for those on Fireside who haven't discovered James on Fireside as well. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. And again, thank you to everyone who joined us live on Fireside tonight in the studio audience. We always love having a studio audience listening along on Fireside. And Kelly didn't mention it, but we will give you a special VIP link if you want to shoot us a quick email at goteamstories at gmail.com. We'll get you a VIP link so you can join the Fireside uh, party as well, listen in live to our podcast, and all the other great ones are recorded live on Fireside, so you can join the fun there. And again, don't forget to check us out on your favorite streaming service of choice. And with all that said and done, I think we've come to the conclusion, Kelly. There's only one thing left to say. Go team! Go team.